Well, if you're, if you're visiting with us, maybe it's your first or second time, so glad to have you in the house, just like Pastor Dan mentioned. But would you guys give it up one more time for all of our guests today? So glad you've joined us. We, we just came off a five-week series called Arrows, and it's all about parenting and the family. And I invite you, we have some resources available at Cafe Aroma right down the ramp. You can pick those up. You can watch all of those uh, messages free on demand on our Timber Creek Church app. You can just download that on your Android or iOS device. Uh, and you can also take notes on your Timber Creek Church app. And if you, if you don't have the app, you can obviously take the worship guide right here. And on the back side is our fill-in-the-blanks. And I'm inviting you to do that every Sunday. Sunday because it helps us kind of stay focused, but also you're able to take that. And this is a beautiful guide to then kind of praying through some of those things on your lunch break or in the morning or at the evening, taking this home and letting it not just be a sermon on Sunday, but be kind of a guide for the next few days as you get closer to God. Today we're starting just a two-week mini-series, and it's called This Is That. And it really comes from a scripture. Let me set it up for you to begin with. And here's where we go. Jesus uh, has been ministering to the crowds three and a half years of like high octane ministry. People be lives being transformed. People beginning to follow him. Disciples that are being made. Men that are being healed. The dead are being raised. Uh, wine, waters turned into wine. People been fed. Thousands of people being fed by a to-go box from Red Lobster. There's so many things going on in the ministry of Jesus. And towards the end, he says, hey, you think this is good. You think this is good. Just wait. <clears throat> when I leave, because I can't stay here forever, I'm actually going to give you a gift. I'm going to send someone to you, and, and <clears throat> you're going to be able to do even greater works. And they're like, are you sure? He's like, I'm serious. And they're like, okay. Now, sure enough, he goes and he does leave because he's arrested, he's crucified, he's buried. Three days later, he, he raises again, and that night he shows up to his disciples and he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, well, not only are you receiving the Holy Spirit now to like guide you as followers like at salvation, but, but wait because actually I'm going to give you more. If you'll wait for me, I'm going to give you even more. And sure enough, they wait. And from the time Jesus resurrects to the time he ascends into heaven and is now preparing a place for us in heaven, uh, from that time where he ascends and the time he's resurrected was about 40 days. And after that 40 days, the disciples gather with all their friends, about 120 people all gathered in one place. And sure enough, 10 days later, so what we are now at 50 days from the crucifixion, we have the day of Pentecost, which means 50 all right, 50 days from the crucifixion was also 50 days from Passover. There was the celebration of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit descends, and there are signs, there are wonders. People are speaking different languages, and God is speaking through the crowd. And this is where we pick up the story. The bystanders that are watching what's happening, we see in Acts chapter 2, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what, what, what does this mean? Have, have, maybe your first time at Timber Creek Church was a little different than what you were used to at a church. And you show up and you were amazed and perplexed. He said, what does this mean? And, and, and that was even happening in the old. And, and I would tell you this, that, that people tend to become amazed at something, perplexed or something, or skeptical of something that they don't understand. And we see that right here. Some, however, they were skeptical. They made, they made fun of them. And they said, ah, they're sloshed. They've had too much wine. 
And Peter, Peter shows up and says, no, 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 no. He starts setting the record straight. And here's what Peter says. No, 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 no. Let me explain this to you. It wasn't enough for Peter just to say, well, if they don't got the glory, then they can understand where we are because I'm free. He takes a moment. He doesn't say, well, we're going to have church. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You just get it figured out on your own time. He stops in the middle of this powerful, spirit-empowered moment. He says, wait, guys, let me explain what's going on here. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning, which I kind of think is a little joke. You know, give us a few hours. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He says it's only 9 in the morning. Like, that, that's not what this, that's not what this is. You think that's what this is? This is not what this is. And the very next scripture is where we get our tagline for this series. No, 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 no. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And if those people had understood the Old Testament scrolls, they would have read Joel and understood that in the last days there was going to be a spirit poured out. And, and so what you think this is, this isn't that. In fact, this is that. And over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about two very critical elements of the body of Christ and what we do and why we do it. Next week, I'm actually going to dive into the word Pentecost and, and explain what that means because the word Pentecost, especially in East Texas, can have different, uh, a different feel, a different experience than maybe what uh, you should have experienced. Or it may have been whittled down to just uh, something we do or how we dress or what it should look like or what we shouldn't do versus the power given that day to be witnesses beyond the four walls of Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that next week. Today, today, when you come into Timber Creek, we dedicate a big portion of this time together to singing. Not just singing, but turning that singing into an opportunity for worship. And so today, what I want to talk about is why do we worship the way we do? You know, you, you, you go to different kinds of churches, and some, they don't even have music. Others, uh, if, if you were to raise your hand, someone would stop and say, do you have a question? That, that would be very foreign to their culture. Um, some don't sing very loud. Some don't even, you know, stand. Well, why are we standing? We're sitting. Why are we standing? Like, like why do we do that? Like, so what I want to do is give you the why behind the what. The why determines your way. The, the why determines the direction that you go. And I want to give you, just for the few moments we have, the why behind our worship and then how we worship. So take your notes and let's write some of these down. Why do we worship the way we do? Well, number one, God asks for it. I'm like, like I could just say, God asks for it. God bless you, you're dismissed. Like, like that's like if God asks for it, how many of you understand that we ought to like give it? If God is asking, we need to respond. His word is full of direction on worshiping Him. Now here, it, does, it sounds simple, but it's become a little bit more complex than it needs to be. And here's why. Because in today's day and age, in our culture, culture is providing experiences and opinions and ways to live that would actually be contrary to the word of God, the breathed word of God. The way God says, the way God designed life, people say, I love God, I want to worship God, but I am also going to do things my way. And when God asks for worship, we have to understand that, that he's God and we're not. And, and, and you want to write this down. Uh, when you're God, you get to call the shots. 
Like, there's no debate. If you're, if you're God, you get to determine what the shots that are going to be. You're the shot caller. Okay? And, 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 and so, so what can happen is I like these attributes of God, and I'm going to serve him here, but then I don't like these. But listen, when we begin to whittle God down to being the person that we like and then the things we don't agree with, we do our own thing, he is now no longer God in your life. You're God in your life. The opinion you take most seriously is really the one that you're going to worship the most. And so he asks us to worship. He calls the shots. We, we, we simply surrender and submit. Surrender is, I got no choice. I can't even do this. I surrender. Submit is, I could do it my own way, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you control. I could, I, I could do it the way I think, but I yield. I submit to a different way. Psalm has a, Psalms has 150 chapters, the longest chaptered book in the Bible. And it's all about praise and worship and giving glory to God. Times where the author is lamenting and, 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 and casting cares upon God and even saying, God, why didn't you do what, you, what I thought you would do? And other times where it's just celebrating. And we, we can read through the book of Psalms and we, it helps stir that heart of worship, that, that atmosphere, that, that focus of worship in our own lives. Psalm 150 says it like this. The author says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Like there's plenty of things to praise God. And he asks us to praise him over these things. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Now that's an actual instrument. It's not like praise him with the harp and, you know, your husband. It's, it's, it's praise him with the harp and the lyre. Uh, uh, praise him with the timbrel and, and dancing. Praise him with the strings and Pipe, in other words, like praise him and praise him big time and don't be afraid to worship him. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Oh man, I was drummed a little too loud. Man, like God said, clash him. In fact, he doesn't say just clash the cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals. Like, let those babies roll, let those babies, like, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then he puts, like, an emoji on the back. It's like, it's like four hearts and, and prayer hands and whoop whoops. He says it again. Praise the Lord. So let's do a little practice here. Everybody breathe in big. Hold it. Breathe out. If you were able to accomplish that exercise, you ought to be praising the Lord. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. The word praise from the lexicon comes uh, to the word halal or halal. And it's where we get the root word hallelujah. Hallelujah. Halal. And, and, you know, we've kind of formalized the word hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've reserved it for Easter and for Christmas and for special cantatas. But halal is actually, when you look at the definition of what the psalmist is using in Psalm 150, halal is, is this definition. It means to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. Man, those lights are all shining in that church. It's halal. We're halaling all up in here. We're getting our halal on. 
to make a show, to boast, to rave, to celebrate. Like, we ought not come in with, like, this idea that praise and worship is something that, man, I better get something out of this. Is oh, God, I hope that you get something out of this because that's what it's all about. And I'm going to shine and celebrate, and, and I'm going to rave. <laughs> not that rave. It's more like boast about God because it's what he's called us to do. It's because he's asked for it. Number two, praise is my purpose. You were placed on this earth to give glory and honor to God. Not just live your life the way you think, surrendering to God, submitting to him in every deed, not just singing in a church service, but the way you live your life is an act of worship to God. The apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter, you're a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And if you look at that grammar point there, that comma, it'd be easy to just put a period there. I'm God's special possession. I'm a royal priesthood, chosen people. I, I am who you say I am. I'm a son and daughter of God. And many people are struggling with their identity in Christ. Still trying to make God kind of figure out if I do this, maybe God won't be. Like he loves you. You're his child. And you could put a period right there. But there's a reason why we have a comma because, because there's a purpose behind being his children, being his special possession. The scripture goes on to say, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So like we're a royal priesthood, we're a, we're a nation, we're, we're chosen, God's special possession, not just to sit on a shelf and look shiny but to declare his praises to him and to those around us. Someone asked me a while back, why, uh, why do we do like fast songs and slow songs? You know, sometimes it's like, you know, uh, the order of service can be happy song, happy song, sad song, sad song, offering, preach too long, so long. You know, that's kind of like, that's the thing. Happy song, happy song, offering, slow song, slow song, preach too long, so long. And uh, we, we do praise we 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 gather with this like time of praise and many times the words will be more horizontal we're declaring to one another the goodness i ran out of that grave out of the darkness into that glorious day like like there's a there's a de de declaration and we see that even in the book of psalms we see where uh, uh, even psalm i believe it's 95 that that starts with entering his courts with praise and later it says bow down and worship him there's there's a cadence and a flow to entering into his presence with this worship and this thanksgiving and this praise and as we begin to praise we shift that into to then bowing down and that praise is now worship and it's more between us and God and we're journeying to that place. We praise him because he's asked for it. Uh, we, we praise him because it's our purpose. Number three, we praise him for who he is. Just for who he is. How many of you, 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 you work at a place where when the boss kind of walks into the room, people kind of look busier? <laughs> you know? You know, they, they've got their head down like this on the computer, and the boss walks in. They say, hey, it's the boss. And they say, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, like, like they, oh, just praying over the company, boss, just praying over the company. You know? The boss will come in, and he'll say something, and he'll kind of tell a joke that you've heard before, but the guy next to you will go, <laughs> you. And it's not even funny, but they laugh. You know why? Because of who he is. 
because of who he is. Our kids, like newborn babies, parents will show them up. Is this not the most adorable, most beautiful child you've ever seen in your life? And you're thinking, no, not really. <laughs> no. But you know why they're saying that? You know why they think that? And some grandparents, because it's true. <laughs> no, it's because of who they are. It's their, it's their flesh and blood. These ladies are consoling one another and crying together and hurting. Um, not because of a tragedy, not because of something they've lost, but because Justin Bieber just walked by. <laughs> Justin Bieber walked by, and, and it's, 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 not, it's not that they're saying, it's just they, they're emotionally distraught. Why? Because of who he is. Before you guys go, yeah, women. <laughs> Grown men. <laughs> There's not a flag. That should have been overturned. And just because of who he is, he deserves our glory. Our, give him glory and honor and praise. And Psalm 145 says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And the way we worship and celebrate on Saturday ought to be the same way we worship on Sunday. And the way we really give him praise ought to just be at the tip of our tongues and in, the, in our lungs. And, and, and just great are you, Lord, for who, just because of who you are. The King of kings and the Lord of lords and the creator of the universe. And had you not spun that sun into existence and keep everything in order, we wouldn't be here today. And just because of who you are, we give you honor and glory. Number four, we worship God for what he's done, for what he has done in our lives, for what he's done in, in my life and in your life and in your family's life. And even when he's not done what you wish he would have done, we still give him for worship for what he has done. The disciples, they saw him working and moving and, and making miracles happen and speaking with such authority and truth. In Luke chapter 19, the whole crowd of disciples, they burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. They just, they just saw some things happen and they just, could, they just couldn't help but worship. They just couldn't help but just say, God, love you. They just enthusiastically just broke down in worship over all the mighty works they had witnessed. The story doesn't stop there because, again, some people are amazed. Some people are perplexed. Some people are skeptical. We run into that in Luke 19 because here some Pharisees from the crowd told him, <laughs> Teacher, get your disciples under control. And he said, you know what, if they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. Why? Because you were designed. You have purpose to be a praiser. And if you're not going to do it, guess what? The world is. The, 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 the earth will cry out to God. Why? Because he's worthy and because of what he's done. There's a Marine Corps air station in North Carolina um, called uh, Cherry Point. And Cherry Point Marine Corps Air Station, there's a lot of uh, taking off and landing of fighter jets. A lot of activity, a lot of practice stuff, a lot of noise. And, you know, if you live close to Cherry Point, you're going to have to deal 
with a lot of, you know, decibel levels. You're just going to have to deal with the noise. And so they put up a sign in front of Camp Cherry Point or the, the, uh, the station Cherry Point. And here's, here's what the sign says. Pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. <laughs> I like that. Pardon our noise, like you're free and you're going to get a pray over your meal tonight. It's the sound of freedom. Now, now, let me explain something to you. When we come in and worship, maybe, maybe there's a person next to you and they're singing like crazy out of key. Out of key. They can't even carry a tune in a bucket. They, 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 but they're singing, because of who you are. And you're going, mm. Right? But you don't know what happened, that how God restored their marriage. And, and you, you, you may not know the person next to you who's, who's tears streaming down their face. And you're trying to get through the thing. And they, they're like so focused in. They're like, man, pay attention. I'm trying to get through. And, and, and they just, you just don't know that they just, that they, their son was water baptized last week and had been running from God for a long time. You don't know about the prodigal sons and about those. You don't know about those that are watching at Dival Correctional Center. Our guys, that 60 plus men that have been water baptized in the last three months. Why? Because God's getting a hold of their heart and they're worshiping in that room right there in prison. They're worshiping. Why? Because of what God has done. Because of what God has done. And like when we worship, it's the sound of freedom where God's setting people free and we're living in freedom every day. There's power in our worship. Number five, because worship changes everything. There's, there's something about worship that when we can focus our energy towards giving God glory and take the energy to do that versus the energy to worry Grumble, mumble, complain, doubt, be anxious. If we take that energy to worship, there's just your, your atmosphere changes. Things change in your life. I've used this example before, but many times we can approach God with big, big, big problems. And the bigger our problems are, the smaller God feels. But as I begin to, to, to praise God and worship God, I say, big problem, small God. But the more I worship, it's big problem, small God, big problem, small God. Problem's getting smaller. God's getting clearer. Smaller problem, bigger God. Smaller problem, bigger God. Small problem, big God. I have the biggest God that can deal with any problem, big or small. God is big. God is big. God is big. That's the atmosphere change when we worship. Psalm 18. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. And that could be another period right there. That could be enough. No matter what's going on in your life, good, bad, or ugly, I call on the Lord. Why? Because he's worthy of our praise. Not because of what you can get out of him. We call on the Lord because he's worthy, because he's God. But the psalmist goes on to say, and he did. He saved me from my enemies. It doesn't mean that every time you call on the Lord that your circumstances completely change. But, the, but your awareness and your perspective of those circumstances can change. When you go in and you, you, you're facing the battle of your life, it can be that that battle's so big. But as we worship, oh. He saves us from, from the enemy because what, what, can, what, can, what can cancer do to me? What can cancer do to me? 
I mean, it, it may destroy my earthly body, but it never can take my soul. And I can dwell in the house of the Lord, maybe not on this side of eternity forever, but on the other side. In heaven, I'm with him forever. I'm saved from my enemies. And he's worthy of my praise. You know, it should change our perspective. We should walk out a little different than we, we came in. And there was protocol on how to approach the Lord through the tent, uh, the tent of meeting and the, the, the temporary tent that they had in the wilderness. And then when they began to worship, there were certain ways in the temple that they had to approach the Lord. Those were shadows that now are more of an internal, they're symbolic now. And, and the way we approach with our heart still makes a big, huge difference. But in Ezekiel, there's a description of how you approach the Lord. And the scripture says, when the people come in, to worship through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. You're not going to come. You're not going to leave the same way you, you you came in. They must never leave by the same gateway, but must always use the opposite gateway. What's their? What are they trying to teach in the physical? That's a spiritual reality for us. When you come in, you may come in dragging yourself by your fingernails, but you ought to not leave dragging yourself by the fingernails because in the presence of God, stuff changes. Things can change, and your perspective. When I'm coming to church, it's not about what I can get from God. It's what I'm offering to God. It's not like, man, I didn't get much out of that worship service. It's like, man, Jesus, I hope you got all that you wanted out of that worship service. And my perspective shifts and I walk out. I may walk out the same door into the same old car that's got the same radiator issues, but I'm going to walk out with a different perspective because that's what God does. How do I worship? That's the why behind it. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, first, we worship based on choice, not feeling, because there are definitely many times where you're not going to feel like worshiping, but you do it based on choice, not the way you feel. Marriages survive not on feelings, but choice. I mean, if feelings were the key compass to marriages, the apocalypse. But we go beyond feelings to the choice. The prophet Habakkuk says it like this in Habakkuk chapter 3. You know, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Now let's put it into real life terms for us because that's in the agri agrarian society. Agriculture was the key thing. They were all farmers. 99.8% uh, of us are not farmers. Um, so, so, let's say, so though the, the kids are driving you crazy... And there is more month left at the end of your paycheck. Uh, th though the groceries uh, are not quite full in the cupboards and the uh, job isn't producing the kind of wage that you've gotten used to living on and things are tough, right? Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior no matter what comes at me. If God is good only when things are good, then actually my God is things. If God is good no matter what circumstances come my way, then God is God. And I love what the author says uh, a few scriptures down, when, when we worship, when we bow down, when, when we are joyful in God my Savior, the, the, the scripture goes on to say, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. Another translation says like deer's feet. He'll make my, my hind legs like deer's feet. My hind's feet, a female deer. 
And there's something about hind legs that they, they, when you're trying to walk a certain terrain, you can, walk, you can try and climb those boulders in Colorado Springs, and then you can see a deer with hind legs, the right kind of legs, a, a, a female deer just like, Bambi, just like, like, like they, no problem. They're not even thinking about it. You're like, watch out. They're just click, 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 right up the way. Because there's just some agility in those hinds feet. There's just, there's power. In the, they're just, they're strong. They're, they're massive. Some of you need to, to grow in your hind parts. And some of you ladies are like, uh-uh, you know, I'm not, what are you talking about? No, I'm not talking about that. Here's what I'm saying. When we worship, the kind of terrain that used to make you really timid and scared and nervous and doubtful, the kind of terrain that you'd say, when we worship, he gives us the ability to be able to go through the kind of terrain that we couldn't without him. Worship based on choice, not feeling. Number two, worship expecting God to respond. We're going to worship in a few moments. And at the end, we're going to pray. And I'm going to say something to you. God's going to speak to you. Individually, God's going to say something to you. He's going to remind you of something. He's going to give you a promise. He's going to speak to you. You need to expect that. When we come in and worship, it's not just about offering. It's expecting that when we worship, God is responding to that. That he is an active God that responds in kind through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through a nudge, through a prompting, through direction. He is a responding kind of God. The scripture says you draw close to him. He doesn't say good job. You draw close to him. He draws close to you. Number three, worship with everything I Everything I have. Jesus displays the greatest commandment, the most important commandment. In Mark 12, he says it. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Which word do you think is the most common word in there? All. You know how much all means in the Greek? All. That's what it means. And now the scripture, though, this word strength, in some translations it says, and with all your might. This Hebrew word is awkward because this Hebrew word, the only way they could translate it to English is use the word strength or might. But it's not really what it means. The the word has more potency in it. So the Hebrew word says, says it like this, all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your very. That's how it says it in Hebrew, with your very. In other words, we couldn't really kind of grasp that in English. It means with, with everything you have, with your very, with who you are, with your everything, your very matters. And I don't just give him part of me. I don't just give him um, a half of that. I don't just say, God, you get this, but now this part is mine. You, everything I have, that's how we worship him. And I would add to it with everything I had. Didn't put this in your notes, but maybe scribble it next to it. Not only worship with everything I have, but in the right order. We worship him in the right order. Now watch. I'm going to give you the order here. and Pay attention. It's not in your notes, so I don't want to go too fast for you. Here's the order. 
okay? Here's the order in which we worship, and here's how, how we do life. Okay? So, so, so pay attention. Here we go. God first. Everything else after that. I know some of you didn't get it. Back it up. God first, then what? Everything else after that. Let's try it again. God first. God first. Spouse first. Uh oh. Your dreams first. Mm. You can dream dreams. Dream big dreams. Dream, dream God sized dreams. Those are the best dreams. Because then when they come true, you know it wasn't you, it was God. God first, everything else after that. That's worship. That's worship. Worship goes way beyond the melody of the piano and the guitar. It's putting him first in every category. We, we like this scripture in church circles. It's a very popular scripture. Some people have it, you know, tattooed on their wrist. It's a big tattoo, but it's a wrist tattoo anyway. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just some. All. There's that word again. Lean not on your own understanding. That is an act of worship. And he says, he goes on to say, in all your ways, yield to him. Submit to him. And he will make your path straight. When I trust the Lord, it's an act of worship. It's an act of honoring God that brings honor and it's worshiping him. When I trust in him and I don't lean on my own understanding, it's worship. The next scripture goes on. That's the most popular. The, less, the next one is less popular but still good. Obviously, it's the word of God. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In fact, it's one of the seven things the Bible says God hates is haughty eyes. Proud eyes. He likes stiff arms like an effective running back. The proud. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Like sometimes <laughs> the reason why we're dealing with stuff in our life is because we've tried to be wise in our own eyes. And instead of running from evil... We've kind of jumped into certain circumstances, and now we're dealing with the consequences. We want God to take away the consequences, but he's saying you wouldn't be here had you started with humbling yourself. So trust is worship. Humility is an act of worship. And then it goes on to say, honor the Lord. Trust, humility, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your money. With the first fruits of all your crops. That's the right order, the first part. It's not the last part of your crops. It's the first part of your crops. The first fruits of your crops. Now, now stop. When I start talking about money, people get funny. Oh, I knew it, Pastor, just after my paycheck. Just after my money. No, Budweiser's after your money. I'm after you understanding what worship is. Worship ev with everything I have. Yeah, I'll worship with everything I have, but my finances, that's kind of like between me and God. You're right. You're right it is. In fact, God owns it all. And he blesses you to be a steward. And he gives you direction. You honor him with the first part, the first fruit, a tenth. A tenth, which means a tithe or a 10%. Now, 
Man, my guys, help me. Come on, guys. I got a crew that's going to help me show you an illustration. And then we're going to worship. And we're going to go on and, and, and celebrate the day. And some of you are going to worship God in spirit and in truth right here with, with praise and with crying. And then you're going to go watch the cowboys and you're going to do the same thing probably. So, <laughs> so these guys are helping me out. And here's what I got. I've got, I've got my table. Everybody say my table. This is my table. I get to have whatever's on this table. And this right here is God's table. Everybody say God's table. So God's got a table and I've got a table. And, and the Bible says it like this. God says, okay, listen, you, I'm going to fill your table up. I'm just asking, will you give me a portion? Will you give me a tenth of your crop, the first fruits of your crop? You let, that's holy and unto the Lord, and I'm going to bless you with the rest of the 90%. So let's, let's start seeing what we got. So you get your first crop of the year, and, oh, man, it's a bumper crop of potatoes. And you know what? Thankful for my potatoes, but God gets the first sack of potatoes. Right here, God, you get the first of the potatoes. Now for me, guess what I get? I get nine bags of potatoes. My cabbage has come in. I said lettuce. You can tell I'm not a real green eater in the first service. Cabbage comes in. I get the first of the ten cabbages. But everything else, God says, gets to go on your table for your family, for your life. I get the apples. An apple a day is an apple a day. And you get apples, I'm going to give you all the apples you need, your family needs. You can have the apple. Just enjoy the apples. But will you give me the first bag of apples? Peppers. We're going to make some fajitas. Glory de Dios. But the first thing for fajitas belongs to who? And who gets the other nine bell peppers? Yeah. Squash. Now, this is the devil's food. But it's under the blood, bless God. And so it's still the Lord. So we're going to give the first squash to the Lord. And I get the other nine squash. Cantaloupe. I love some cantaloupe in the summertime and in the wintertime and in the daytime and in the nighttime. I get cantaloupe. I got all the cantaloupe I need. My family loves cantaloupe. We dig through some cantaloupe. I also like corn. My family's weird. We'll go to Chili's and all my family will say, we just want a thing of corn. And I'm like, I want like the ribs and the corn, you know. The first corn belongs to who? You honor them with the first. Wait, stop, stop. This corn is actually better than this corn. So I give God the best. I don't give, I give him the first, I give him the best. Okay. Cucumbers, I like the cucumbers. Here we go, cucumbers on my salad, cucumbers in my water, cucumbers on my wife's face when she has a facial. <laughs> cucumbers. Cucumbers, first one goes to God, the rest of the cu- Oh, pint, we're getting Hawaiian. Aloha, everybody. The first pineapple belongs to God. The other pineapple, I get to enjoy. Okay. Now, let's be a little realistic here. Uh, they're still giving me stuff. Peaches. This is the last one. No more, no, more, no more after that. Peaches. First peach. And I get all the other Georgia peaches I want. Thank you, guys. Give them a huge hand. <laughs> Husbands and wives. 
having arguments on whether to give God tithe. No, we can't give God any, we can't give God, you know the bills? And here's our house. And, and the Bible says that worship is giving God what he deserves. And this isn't even blessed until I do that part. And then the Bible also adds, you know what? If you do this part, guess what? Like you also get carrots. You get carrots too. And, and you know what? You, you keep worshiping me. Uh-oh, there went the avocados. We were looking for avocados. They were sold out. Bought them at Timber Creek. In fact, it was funny. They went late at night and got like three bat grocery carts full at the store. And when the woman was checking them out at, at the cash register, she said, what are you guys doing? What are you making? What kind of, what kind of smoothie is this? And, and they said, oh, it's an illustration. And they told the woman what the illustration was for. And she said, that's for a church? I said, yeah. I said, is that Timber Creek Church? <laughs> You guys are always doing something crazy over there. It's just because of what he's done and just who he is. And we just worship him and meet him with pineapple. And, 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 and we worship. But then when the electric bill is a little bit high, God, you won't mind. We got to pay the, pay the bill. And, man, we're, we're ready for college. Oh, uh-oh. God, sorry, college, we just weren't expecting. You'll understand, God. You'll understand. Listen, worship is not just in the good songs we sing together, everybody. It's putting him first in everything. Putting him first is the right order. Because he's worthy of it. Because he's asked for it. A couple of years ago, we started an all-in campaign. And we talked about the giving ladder. Because... If you guys put that up there, that not everybody is, is starting right off the bat to give God their 10 because you've been living on 103% of your paycheck. The average American is living on 103% of their paycheck, meaning that every year they're going 3% into debt. And I get it. It's really hard to even think about putting God first when bills are tight. That doesn't change the principle, but it does make it hard. And so what we said a couple of years ago is no matter where you are, everyone in the room is a potential giver. But we want to invite everybody to take a next step that you would emerge into giving if you've never put God first. And back then, 27% of the church was giving 97% of the income. 27% was giving 97% of the income. And the other 3% was given by the rest of the 73%. And we said, look, if you can't get to the 10th, start somewhere and, like, do something. Why? Because God will honor that. And it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do through you as you are faithful to begin to give him the best and give him everything in the right order. And some that are emerging, you know, they've started. I'd encourage you to take that next step of becoming consistent in giving. The same way that you don't leave the house like, ah, oh, I didn't put pants on today. You know, you're intentional. You're intentional that when you come to church service, you would be intentional about your worship, not only in your hands being raised and your voice being raised, but, but also in your offering. And beyond consistency, maybe some are ready to take the next step to tie that 10%, God's table. And then even then, some people say, you know what, I've been able to do the 10 and now I'm going to give even more to God because I've just seen how faithful he is. And the more, the more I give, the, the more I'm 
satisfied, the more contentment I live in. It's not like it's a, it's a slot machine where the more you give, all of a sudden, the more you get. So now I'm going to do like roll the dice here and give him all my paycheck and expect three in return. It's the promise of as I put him first and worship him, he provides and he protects me. He does. It's a beautiful thing. Now here's how I want to end today. I want to say to you that if we don't have anybody else step up and begin to give, this still will be the single most generous year the church has ever had to date. The, the, the income we have, we have more resources than we've ever had in the history of the church. God is blessing this church dramatically, but we also have as big of a vision as we've ever had that requires resources. God says, put the worship on me, do what I've called you to do, and, and I'm going to provide the resources. It's just how it is. So we step out in faith, and God provides. We step out in faith, and God provides. And so I don't want to beat up anybody, make anybody feel like, man, I haven't been giving. No, 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 no. No, this isn't a, a spank you moment. This is a challenge you moment to take a next step. This isn't a discipline moment. This is an encouragement moment to take a next step in your worship. Because giving is an act of worship. But I want to help everybody with something today so you don't feel left out. Would you guys put it up there? The last slide. You're already doing all of this for something. You're already giving 10% to something. I mean, it may be Honda and Home Depot, but you're giving 10% to something. All of us are worshiping something, what gets our attention, what gets our thoughts. And God says, you are designed for worship. The problem with that is you're going to worship. You may be worshiping the wrong thing. And he invites us. He's not mad at you today. He invites you. Let's change the focus of our worship to the one and only God, maker of heaven and earth. God is not mad at you today. He loves you. And because of that, worship him. So we're going to flex that muscle of worship today. In just a moment, we're going to give. And I encourage you that if you're not prepared to give today, there's no pressure. I didn't give you this example so we can have a bigger offering today. And I want you to know, my, my salary doesn't go up or down whether you give in the offering today or tonight. I'm, I'm not connected personally to your faithful generosity. I, my salary is set by our deacon team. Because I want to be able to come to you and know, and you know, there's no ulterior motive. I don't want anything from you. I want everything for you. If you don't give anything in the offering today, I want you to at least be thinking about how you're worshiping with everything you have in the future. But I hope that everybody, for the next few moments we have together, you would worship Jesus with your mouth, maybe with your hands. I know some of you, you came from the Baptist church. Like 78% of our churches is Baptist. And like when you went like this, that was a stretch, you know. Like how many of you grew up in a hand-raising church? You know, like you can't even raise your hand right now because you just feel out of here. Like, I can't raise my hand. I can't tell you. What I, what I encourage you is, would you stand with me? We're going to sing three songs together. We're going to end with worship.
And in this time, we're going to receive our tithes and our offerings right at the very beginning. Cody, our new worship pastor, so glad to have him on the team right there at the piano. Cody and the whole team, they're going to... They're going to lead us into worship. And our first song, our first song is a brand new song. We've never sang it together. But, oh, I think you're going to be ministered, you're going to, be ministered by, to by it. But regardless of you being ministered to, it's about worship unto God. Let me pray with you. We're going to sing, we're going to give, and both of them are going to be worshiped. Are you ready? Father, in the next few moments, we give you everything we have. We eliminate distractions. We focus in on you. Bless this offering. May it be a gift to you, Lord, of our faithfulness and dedication to putting you first in everything, including our finances. Thank you, Lord, for not being mad at us, but taking this moment and meeting us where we are, not where we should be. <laughs> You're such a good God. May we be taking next steps, even in this worship moment, drawing closer to you. God bless you as you give, and would God be blessed by our worship. Would you sing with us?